And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the Kirksters up to um, join me as we get ready for um, today's sermon. We're going to be continuing on in um, the the book of Acts, and we're going to go to Acts 22, verses 30 through the end of um, chapter 23. And as um, they're going to read, but before they start to read our passage for us um, this morning, I want to pray for our hearing of the word. So um, would you join me in prayer? Lord, I pray now that you would come upon us by your Holy Spirit to help us to be able to hear your word, to be able to understand your word, to be able and willing to respond to your word in obedience so that your church would be built up and that your glory would fill the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day, he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my order, my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, Do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin. My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on the trial because of my hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say that there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? The dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to their chief priests and the elders and said, We have taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. 
We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul, the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside and asked, What is it you want to tell me? He said, Some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink until they have killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with, his, with this warning. Don't tell anyone that you have reported this to me. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, Get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows, Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency Governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him. But I came with him, my troops, and rescued him. For I had learned that he is a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found that the accusations had to do with questions about their law. But there is also, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with him during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day they let the cavalry go on with him while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived in Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Sicilia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, as I thought about this story, I um, could not help but get this um, impression of a roller coaster. I mean, as we hear the story of Paul and the ups and downs of what is happening as he felt the Lord call him to go to Jerusalem and then how the, um, we've seen him face struggle and um, jealousy from within the Jewish community there that he loved and wanted to bring the good news to. Then we saw where he was being pulled away and yet asked if he could speak 
And then everyone got quiet to listen. I imagine he was like, oh, this is so wonderful. Like, they're going to hear the the gospel. And then all of a sudden, they're like um, wanting to kill him. And so then, like, this little kid that's hanging on, like, ah, ah, you know, like, I just imagine the scripture doesn't tell us what he felt like, but he's a human being. Paul is a human being. He has thoughts and he has feelings. And I just imagine that it has been up and down and up and down, as even we heard in our um, text this morning, that there was this opportunity to go and for him to speak to my brothers and even to um, have this this um, statement that there's no there's no fault with him, and yet they're ready to tear him to shreds. I mean, it is just this roller coaster of up and down. And Paul is a disciple. And here we use this definition of disciple, one who follows Jesus and participates in the growth of his kingdom. And what I notice about Paul is that he does not have any sense of entitlement as he's following the Lord. I don't know about you, but I felt convicted about this myself this week, just thinking how I expect things to, if I'm following the Lord, Like, he'll bless me, right? Like, things should go well, or at least sometimes we feel this way. And yet, we hit these obstacles regularly. Now, maybe we're not in a country where we're facing religious persecution, but in our Christian walk, don't we hit obstacles? And so, this is our Lent season. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we prayed this prayer, Lord, make me what you will. I put myself fully into your hands, put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and with a willing heart give it all to your pleasure and disposal. A prayer of surrender that as we together are following Jesus, we're seeking to surrender our lives to him. But I really think that if we look at Paul, we see the secret to surrender. Because what he said when he got in front of the Sanhedrin is, I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. If we have hope that life goes beyond this life and that Jesus has won the victory over death, then we're willing to get on the roller coaster of God's journey for us. I don't know if you like roller coasters. Some of you in this room probably love them. And there's probably, okay, I saw a hand. Like you just had to say, Evan, I love roller coasters. I can say, I've been terrified of roller coasters. And the idea of giving up control and like getting in a seat and not knowing but kind of seeing what all is getting ready to happen to me um, is terrifying. Now, the Lord has helped me get over that fear. But I'm just saying that if we aren't trusting that this journey is going to be safe or that somehow it's going to come to the final destination... We don't get on the ride. Or we get on the ride and we're trying to grip on and trying to control. You cannot control a roller coaster, can you? Once once it starts, here we go. 
and we're going up and we're going down and we're going sideways. Um, the walk with the Lord sometimes is going up and sometimes we're facing great obstacles because we heard um, Marissa say that as she's sharing the gospel, my dark side doesn't like this. There's a kingdom of darkness that comes against. But what does Paul, he stands there surrendered to the Lord's purposes, there to share the gospel in Jerusalem, and he stands there in the hope of the resurrection. And that is, I believe, friends, how he had the courage to follow the Lord and to surrender into his love. Now we see in this passage that God sees everything. God saw when just before this in the passage that was, I think, last week, where he um, they couldn't get anywhere with the Jewish community, and so the Roman um, leader decided he was going to go have him flogged. Do you remember that? He was going to have Paul flogged. What that means was he was going to be tortured until he got to the truth of the matter of what is this objection about you, Paul? He was stretched over something and had his arms tied up and they were getting ready to either use chains with metal balls or they were going to use a leather strap that had bones and metal shreds on it. It could leave you not only terribly, terribly disfigured and painfully shred, but it could paralyze you, cut the nerves, and they used it even as a form of execution. And he stretched out like that until the Holy Spirit gives him one question to ask, like, is this normal procedure for a Roman citizen? The Lord gave him a question. But Paul had gone through that trauma. Friends, that is trauma. When you are stretched out and you're ready to be tortured. He went through that trauma. And then he's gone through this trauma of being up in front of the Sanhedrin. And as I read about this passage, what I noticed was that if he said anything off, he was a goner. And he, like, speaks. And then this um, this leader of the Sanhedrin, the high priest, was actually such a corrupt man. He he stole the food from the the lower priests that were serving, he, he sent his slaves to go and steal their food. Like he was a very, very dishonest, corrupt leader who actually was probably a former leader. And that's why the confusion about, is he the high priest or isn't he? But any word that Paul would say that would be off could mean his life would be over. And the Lord saw him. And he saw the pressure that he was under And he saw the empowering work of his Holy Spirit through Paul, giving him wisdom, giving him favor. And the Lord comes near. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. This left me in tears this week, thinking about God Almighty sees his children and he comes. Think about this. If somebody important wants to have an appointment with someone in this world, they call for them to come to them. Our God comes to his children. And he comes and he stands near Paul. What is it like when you're hurting and when you're sad and when you're alone? 
and somebody comes and stands near you, it means the world to you. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. And the Lord loves his children so much that when he sees them hurting, he comes and stands near. He comes and he stands near. He comes and stands near to Paul and he comes and he stands near to us. And I'm going to ask Jan to, um, actually Jan, I think I'll just come and bring the microphone to you. That's a nice idea. idea. Um, The Lord has come and stood near to you at a time where things were difficult. Why don't you just step out here? I think you could do the, yeah. Yeah. Our sister Jan has um, been facing a medical situation, so not a religious persecution but something that's very challenging and difficult when you're when you're a Christian, when you're a human being, and we face medical problems and a diagnosis, a possible diagnosis of cancer. It's a very challenging and difficult and scary thing. Um, the Lord came and stood near you. You sensed the presence of the Lord near you, and um, I want you to remind the congregation, you shared this a couple of weeks ago, but um, I want you to remind them of how that went, that the Lord, you sensed the Lord's nearness. Um, This happened um, the last Wednesday in February. We were experiencing a lot of bad weather. Um, I had two appointments the next morning uh, at different places. And uh, it was just not too far from where I lived, and I thought, well, I can drive that by myself. And I um, was going to call AmbuCare to, to make a, uh, a ride available if I needed one. I could always cancel. But I didn't do that. And the next morning, the men on the television and on the radio made the weather sound pretty grim. And I thought, oh, I think I made a mistake. I should have done something. And But I kept getting ready, and I, I, I got my coat on, and I got my walker in front of me, and I was ready to walk out the door. And I thought, I don't know what to do. And God said, why don't you ask me? Well, it didn't take a moment for me to pick up the phone and call AmbuCare, and the guy says, well, it's kind of late to call. And I said, yes, I know it's my fault. But it wasn't two minutes, and he said his dispatcher was having someone there. They're on the way. They'll be there in ten minutes. Well, the first I felt was extreme relief. And I walked downstairs to um, get into the cab. And as I walked, I felt this... More than relief, I felt this joy start to build up in me. And the, and, and I never, I never could have made it that day. All the different places I had to go and this, these people escorted me to every single place I had to stand. It was a most wonderful day and the joy kept building and building and building to the point where I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I'd see, I'd see people and I'd say, do you know what happened? I let the Lord take my hand and rather than doing it myself. The Lord gladly took my hand and led me and it's been a beautiful, beautiful day. And I just, I, I, since then I've given testimony to the girl that was checking me out at the grocery store. 
Um, I've, so some, some of the people who have helped me in the different hospitals that I was at, um, I, I, I just can't, you just can't keep your mouth shut. But, but, like, but like you said, there came a day when I didn't feel that joy. And then you wonder, where did it go? And I want that back. And then all you have to do is tell your story again, and there it comes. Your joy is, your joy is back again. So there are ups and downs, and I just praise God that he finally said to me, Jan, why don't you ask me? Because that's what we have to do. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Friends, she was so full of joy that when I talked to her a couple of days later, she said, I just keep thinking about that song, When Jesus Came Into My Heart, When Jesus Came Into My Heart. Floods of joy fill my soul as the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. And she was overflowing. And yet, it hasn't been a couple weeks since that time that we talked that there was such joy. And yet, she hit another obstacle another challenge at the hospital there was going to be there was going to be a simulation and a bunch of appointments set up and all of a sudden um, her ride is all arranged for that day and it was just a short appointment and she had to have consecutive days of appointments there are things that happen that try to steal our joy obstacles challenges all the time and we know that when we're christians the lord has a plan he has people for jan to share the gospel with But she has to be willing, and she shared this with me yesterday. Pastor Gina, I've had pride. I've wanted to control everything, and I realize that I need to release the control, and maybe God wants me to go one day and then go another day, and I need to be willing to go where he's asking me to go and quit trying to control everything. Um, The Lord comes near, and when the Lord comes near, Remember, friends, that he's our sympathetic high priest who offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. This is Jesus praying to his father with cries and tears, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. He, Jesus wasn't trying to control things. He was asking the father to help him be obedient to talk about the kingdom and to live out the kingdom in front of all those that would need to see and hear. Jan has people that she needs to share the gospel with, and it's Jesus himself. It's Jesus who came and stood near to Caroline when she was distraught, like, oh, my son, and who will share with him? And he needs a Damascus Road experience. There are these moments when Marissa is sharing the gospel and all of a sudden she's hearing opposition and it's like, how is this going to go? And it's Jesus who understands all the obstacles and challenges that we might face in this life. And he's the one who comes and stands near us. And he says this, he says, take courage. Your life journey might be making a detour that you weren't expecting some situation as Paul stood and there's this high priest that he says, you are a wall, a whitewashed wall. You are an obstacle that's just looking good. But you are an obstacle to God's kingdom right now. There are obstacles that we may face 
But it's Jesus himself who says, take courage. That same word courage is translated take heart. In Matthew 9, take heart, son. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven when he was healing the paralytic. Your sins are forgiven. He said in John 16, take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have many troubles. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have your journey all of a sudden take a right turn or all of a sudden you thought you were going up and now it feels down. And he's saying, take heart. Who's the one who says, take heart, take courage? The one who has forgiven. If you are a follower of Jesus, he's forgiven your sins. And he's saying, I have overcome the world. This is not the end of the journey for us who believe we have everlasting life. And he says this to us, take courage. So no matter what your situation, what you're facing, and I feel like some of you are facing changes, you're taking, he's asking you to take steps of faith, get on the roller coaster of following his will through your life. And he would say to us today, to each of us, take courage. Why? Because he's able. And let me explain the end of the story a little bit to you. God is able to take Paul, who has 40 people swearing that they're not going to have one drop of water or one bite of food until they kill him. He has people ambushed. These are his brothers, his Jewish brothers, who are ready to ambush him. He's in being held by the Roman leadership. And he finds out that there's a death threat against him. There's this ambush coming. He can't control anything. But what does he do? He remembers that the Lord had just stood near him and said, take courage, take heart. And he did whatever the Holy Spirit led him to do, which was to say to his nephew, go tell. And what does God do to deliver him? He gets 470 men. This was probably three-quarters of the guard for that city. They only did nighttime missions if it was an emergency. Can you imagine that God uses the Roman leaders to say, this is an emergency because this is a kingdom emergency. And he takes him out to go to Caesarea overnight and gets him away from the ambush. God saves Paul's life because there's a call on him to go to Rome now. And just as he had testified in Jerusalem, he's going to testify in Rome. And he has 470 Romans escort him safely to God's next destination where he's going to testify again. And the gospel's going to go forward. And so if you have a call on your life, and you may feel like, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't, I don't understand this. I thought I was going to college for this, and all of a sudden, I'm not in this field anymore. Oh, my life is over. No, it's not. God may have just redirected you over to the Caesarea because he wants to have you share the gospel there. Open your eyes to what God might be doing in your current situation or where he's got you. He had Caroline up at the Alpine Myers, right? He had Marissa out on the sidewalk. I don't know where he's going to have you this week. 
but he's going to have you somewhere. Now, we're talking about people that are trying to follow Jesus. We can make plenty of mistakes in our own life by our own sin and trying to be independent and trying to control our lives. And we actually will have a real roller coaster experience, but it's going to be of our own fault and our own doing until we turn to the Lord. But if we're following the Lord, we can trust that there is no one or no thing that is going to rob us from our kingdom um, mandate of what God wants to do in our life. And what we have to do is sit in that seat, and I actually think we need to just throw up our hands and surrender and say, Lord, have your way. I'm yours. Because God is able. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that um, nothing is impossible with you, that you could rescue Paul from an ambush set up against him, that you could give him words to speak before the Sanhedrin so that the Pharisees would say, we can see no charge against this man, and that the Roman leader would say they can't find a charge against him he's innocent lord i thank you that you can bring about those kind of um, outcomes for him and that you can bring about those kind of outcomes in our lives whatever we're facing lord i thank you that there is no obstacle no wall no difficulty that is too big for you and that you are a most creative god and lord i pray that you would do amazing marvelous works through each of your children as we surrender to you and to your way and to your, your will. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hands to receive this blessing. The Lord bless you with courage to be wholly surrendered unto him. And the Lord bless you to tenaciously follow wherever he may lead, and to whatever he may call. And the Lord bless you to be abundantly full with astounding testimony of his ability, of his power, and of his goodness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.